You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 91. Well, hey there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the Happy and Healthy Podcast. So I am currently in Michigan at my brother's house where I will be basically watching his two boys while he and his wife go on a one-week vacation to Italy. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with my two nephews. Charles and Asher, who are 10 and 6, respectively. So today is part two of a five-part series on why you haven't been able to lose weight. In the previous episode, I took a look at the thought or belief you may have that I should be able to do it on my own, as in losing weight on my own. And we really did peel back the layers of that onion. And hopefully at this point you understand why that belief isn't accurate, isn't true, and really doesn't help you in terms of achieving your weight loss goals. So today I want to take a look at the thought, in order to lose weight and keep it off. I can't eat what I really want. And variations of this that you may have used for yourself that get in the way of losing weight. I can't lose weight because I love food. Or I like food too much. Or how about it tastes so good I don't want to stop. Or I don't want to stop enjoying my food. And then there's the it's my reward after a long day. So again, in order to lose the weight, or how about just to be healthier, we have this thought that I can't eat what I really want. And I'm giving you all these examples because this is really like added sugar. Because added sugar has so many different names on labels. It can be sucrose, it can be dextrose, table sugar, syrups like high fructose corn syrup, honey, concentrated fruit juices, right? All of these are actually added sugar. And just like added sugar, this thought of I can't eat what I really want shows up or comes up in many forms. So let's take a look at this story that we're telling ourselves and where it leads, okay? When we're saying to ourselves, food is fun. It's one of the pleasures of my life. And maybe for you, it's one of your, the favorite parts of your day. Or, especially if you're a mom, it's that me time when the kids have gone to bed. All of these roads lead to one place. And it's really this thought of, I don't want to deny myself. Does this logic sound familiar? Have you used it before yourself? And do you see how this very idea of denying yourself 
creates a state of scarcity, which then, of course, means I need to remind you of the abundance principle, where we want to make our choices when we're in a state of abundance, as opposed to when we're in a state of scarcity. All you have to do is think about how you show up in your life when you're well-rested, feeling confident and in a happy mood versus tired and stressed and hungry. And then to make matters worse, tell yourself that you can't have what you really want to eat. So when we make choices from this state of scarcity, as opposed to abundance, let's talk about what ends up happening. But before we go into that, let's again review why it is that we need to eat. And at the most fundamental, it's for energy or fuel and for nutrients. So when I talk about empty calories, I am talking about food that does provide energy, but it lacks nutrients. So this would be things like alcohol or soda or pop if you're from the Midwest. (laughs) And also things like cookies, candy, chips. Okay, very energy dense, not so much on the nutrient side. So when we are eating because we're hungry, And then we're stopping when we're comfortably full. And the foods we're choosing to eat contain both the energy and the nutrients it needs. So we're nourishing our body. That's when we're really listening to our body. But when we eat for any other reason, it's likely going to lead to, one, overeating, and two, Even if you're not trying to lose weight, comfort foods tend to be very energy dense. So we're looking at sugar and fat and high carb stuff. And the reason we're so drawn to these foods is really biology. When we eat foods that are high in sugar and fat and other carbohydrates, sugar is a carbohydrate, right? There is a big release of dopamine, which means we are really lighting up the pleasure centers of our brain. That's the reward. And when we talk about other reasons for eating besides hunger, the number one reason is because we're trying to mood alter. In some respects, food is the most abused drug that there is. We use food to comfort, to soothe, to distract ourselves, and even to numb. And when you're doing that, that's really the definition of emotional eating. So if what I'm describing is what you do, then you can consider yourself an emotional eater. And if that's the case, I definitely want you to keep listening. If you look forward to food or to a drink, that glass of wine or two at the end of a long day. Or maybe, let's say, you turn to comfort food when you're bored or you're doing work that you don't really enjoy. My sister always talks about how she has to do charting as a physician 
And that's where comfort food becomes her friend, right? And for those of you who have been following me, you know the story of when I was working at Yahoo and I was in a job that I really didn't enjoy and I turned to chocolate-covered raisins. That's where I gained 15 pounds in six months. So for those of you who are moms and your primary focus is really about taking care of your kids and making sure that they eat healthy, but maybe what you're feeding them isn't necessarily what you want to be eating. And your days are consumed with things like dropping off the kids and picking them up and making arrangements to do that if you're not able to do it. Maybe you're at work, right? But when you get home from work, you're either making dinner or you're having dinner with them. And then there's always that bedtime routine as well. So that when they finally go to bed, and especially if you have skipped dinner and you're really hungry at this point, then for your brain and body, anything will taste good. Because at this point, your body is in a physical state of deprivation. So pretty much anything you eat is going to trigger this flood of dopamine in your system. And again, this is all biology, right? So I still remember a good friend of mine, after he ran a half marathon, they had these store-bought cookies, these really cheap cookies, along with some orange juice at the finish line. <laughs> and he, he was like, these are the best cookies I've ever had. So when we do these things, like setting up the end of our day as if it were the finish line and we can have the yummy stuff after we cross the finish line or to distract ourselves when we're doing something that we don't necessarily enjoy, where that's the reward, we have basically created a habit. So all of these things that I just described are examples of a habit. And to review the anatomy of a habit, we always start with a trigger so this could be a time or a location or a person, an interaction with a person, okay? And then you have some kind of routine and then you have a reward. So when we talk about cravings, this is when we actually anticipate the reward before we have even started the routine. So it's, you have the trigger. It could be the stress or knowing that you're going to have a long day and the anticipation of that glass of wine at the end or your mommy juice. So again, our brain relies on habits to conserve energy. And it's always looking for patterns. So when it sees a particular situation, it sees it's familiar and says, oh, I've solved this problem before and I've automated this routine. That's a habit so that we don't have to think because thinking is a really energy consuming process. We have to make decisions. So you hear some people talk about habit brain. This would be an example. Emotional eating is a habit. And here's the but. When we think we have to deny ourselves, we're basically saying the way to get what you want, as in to lose weight, requires giving up food you really want. 
And in order to give up the food you really want, then you've got to rein yourself in. You have to have self-control. And when I talk about this, it always reminds me of the time when at the health club, we had a little cooking demonstration. One of the members um, is also a pastry chef. His name is Tim Grable. And I remember we were making a dessert that included peaches, a stone fruit. That was the whole theme. (laughs) So we made this wonderful dessert and then everyone in the class got a chance to plate it and then eat. And I was paired up with um, a member of the club and I'm like, I just want a bite or two just to see what it tastes like. And he looked at me and he was like, how, how can you do that? Uh, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, how can you just have two bites and leave the rest? I'm like, well, you can have the rest if you want. <laughs> but that really wasn't his point. His point was that it would be denying himself to not eat the whole thing. But I wasn't denying. I didn't see it that way. I simply didn't want any more. I didn't need it to feel better. So one of the keys here to not triggering that state of scarcity is to actually create more enjoyment in the rest of your life. So if you like your life more, then you don't have to lean on food. But if you're leaning on food, right, then it's no wonder you're reluctant to do the work that's required to do some planning or to eat more nutritious foods, which then helps to reduce the cravings for sweets or comfort foods like chips and ice cream and your mommy juice. Oh my goodness. And there is a deer outside the window. (laughs) This is what I get for being in Michigan. I don't get to see deer hanging out outside my window in California. Anyway, so if your habit is to have a cocktail or a glass of wine at the end of a long day, you understand that that is your reward, that you have this habit. So what we want to do here, right, the goal of all of this is to get to the point that you don't actually want more. There's no demand for it. And therefore, you're not having to deny yourself anything. So again, if eating healthy to you means eating foods that you don't like or you don't enjoy, what I want you to do is know that to lose weight, that doesn't have to happen. To lose weight I would actually say you only want to eat foods that you really enjoy. But again, right now, if losing weight to you means that you'll be miserable and you don't get to eat all the things you want to eat, how are you going to get from point A, where you're in that state of scarcity, to point B, where you're eating what you enjoy? And you're not denying yourself. So let's, let's unpack point A. Okay. When you aren't able to do this, what is that thought process? So we're going to apply the learning cycle here. You have a situation and the thought when you're in that situation is I can't stay on track. 
In order to lose weight, I have to do these things, the eat these things or not eat these things, and I can't stay on track. It's too hard. What are you making that mean about yourself? What's the interpretation? When you say this to yourself, the interpretation is usually, I lack the requisite self-control. And how does that thought, that interpretation, end up making you feel? Right? The emotion is, I suck. I'm so disappointed with myself. I'm frustrated. It's hopeless. And then what are the options that you see available to you? Well, you could eat to feel better. You could eat healthier food. Or you could just stop eating because you're not actually hungry. When you're feeling frustrated and disappointed, chances are the choice you're going to make here is you're going to end up eating so that you can feel better. And when you do this, what is the most likely outcome? You're probably going to gain weight if you keep doing this. And even if you don't gain weight, if you're eating a lot of food on an empty stomach that has a lot of sugar and a lot of fat, a lot of simple carbs, you will most likely be elevating your blood glucose level, that sugar in your bloodstream. And this is how folks develop insulin resistance. Okay, and then that leads to type 2 diabetes. So again, when you look at the learning cycle, we're basically talking about your thoughts and then the beliefs as your filter ultimately lead to an interpretation and it's that interpretation that drives your emotions. We will move in the direction when we will take action that aligns with those emotions. So how we get from point A to point B is we need to insert a pause. When we notice that the interpretation we have doesn't serve us. And then during that pause, we take the opportunity to reframe. But again, if food to you is like your security blanket, <laughs> it's no wonder that we are reluctant to do anything to change the situation or to change our thoughts or to do any planning, any of the work that's required. So again, I would encourage you to practice the learning cycle method and again, I think it's really important that we also create more enjoyment in the rest of our life. So instead of responding to a hard day, how do we make those days less hard and more enjoyable? So it could be taking some time to really think about what are the things in my life that are fun besides food? Do you have hobbies, things that you do during your waking hours that you truly do already enjoy? Or can you incorporate those in? So when I talk about rewards, rewards come in many shapes and sizes besides food. If you get outside and get some sunshine and enjoy nature, that can feel really, really good. If you have had a long day, maybe try taking a shower. That always feels good. Or 
How about a 10 or 15 minute stretching routine at the end of your day? Even try to do that before having a glass of wine and see how you feel. And then, of course, there's things like spending time with friends, dancing, dance by yourself, put on some great tunes, hugs. So, all of these things that I'm talking about is where we're really focusing on creating solutions as opposed to being stuck in our problems. Again, our brain is the one that's creating meaning about our day. Do we like this? Do we not like this? Is this fun? Is this not fun? And remember that the way our brain works, it's always going to take note of the negative. So when something positive does come, I want you to really take the time to, to pay attention and to savor it. You might even try at the end of your day to really think about what were the favorite parts of my day. And then, how can you set up your next day to have more of that? Give yourself the gift of reinforcing those positive things. So, again, how you think about your life is basically a habit. You're in a particular mindset. So, inside Moxie Club, if you're struggling with identifying what these thoughts and beliefs are for yourself, that is completely understandable. This is why coaching can be so helpful because one, we're looking at your specific situation, and two, we have the benefit of being outside the bottle. There's this analogy. Or metaphor where it's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. So it's not that you wouldn't be able to potentially see what's happening if it was someone else. It's simply because I'm on the outside, right? Or the coaches are on the outside and hearing stuff that, again, you've been listening to all your life, that it's autopilot. You, you can't, it doesn't even register anymore. And with coaching, we know what to listen for. And we can help you to uncover them, to become aware of them. And then figure out how to move you. And it may be one of those things where it's not one big step. It's a series of smaller steps. So instead of trying to go way outside your comfort zone, we could just be stretching your comfort zone. But by doing that over and over again, eventually what is possible is something that you may have thought was impossible before. All right. So when it comes to using food to feel better, if that's your go-to coping mechanism, then there are two things that we can do here. We can find other ways to cope in order to feel better. Perhaps even things that feel better than food. Or we can reduce the need to have to cope to begin with. So again, look for other rewards like being in nature and outdoors. Or 
some other kind of self-care routine, if you will. Because maybe you can't, depending on where you live, maybe in the dead of winter, going outdoors, going outside for a quick 10-minute walk isn't an option. That's okay. Let's look for other things that we can do. Let's brainstorm. And if you're looking for a way to brainstorm some of that, to crowdsource ideas, I highly encourage you to join our private Facebook group, Moxie Club Meetup. This is a free group, and I've included the link in the show notes for you. Alrighty, so I'm going to wrap up this episode with a quote from Giada De Laurentiis. Food brings people together on many levels. It's nourishment of the soul and body. It's truly love. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B dot com and sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.